Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 190 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let me ask you, are you sober or sober curious and cannot stop shoving your face with sugar or anything sweet? Don't worry. Dr. Brooke Schuller is here. She is coming to our rescue and we are talking all about sugar cravings and sober nutrition. Dr. Brooke is here to answer all of our questions. This is such a fantastic episode. So let's get into it. Dr. Brooke is in the house. What's going on? I'm so excited to be here, Jess. Thanks for having me. We were just commenting on how we have the same haircut and hairstyle going on right now. Yes, we do. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. I mean, I love your hair because it is my hair, essentially. (laughs) Uh, Where are you located, Brooke? I'm in New York City. Nice. uh, Yeah, I'm uh, originally from the Jersey Shore, so not too far from friends and family, but have lived in New York City for about five years and really love it here. Uh, pandemic was a little bit of a crazy time here, but things sure. coming to normal. Nice. Knock on wood. <laughs> Definitely. So Brooke, I want to talk about all the things that you do. I mean, obviously you're a doctor, you're into like sober nutrition, functional sobriety. I want to of course, get into that. But I want to learn a little bit more about you personally. And what is your relationship with alcohol? And how do you identify your relationship with alcohol today? Yeah, well, I am a sober, I do identify as a sober person, Um, Mm -hmm. depending on who asks, I'm either a non drinker or I'm sober. It's interesting how you ask. And I've heard you ask that on podcasts before. I explicitly remember the first time someone offered me a drink. And instead of saying, Oh, I don't drink anymore. Or, Oh, I'm sober. I said, I don't drink. And the person responded with, Oh, okay. And moved on. And for me, I was like, that was such a big deal. Right. Yeah. Like that's it. 
It's interesting because I was listening to Tony Robbins yesterday and yeah. I know that Oprah talks about this a lot, but it's like, how do you identify yourself can say a lot about how you operate in your life. Yes. I love the idea of saying like, I'm a non-drinker. I am yeah. this instead of saying I am, you know, struggling with alcohol or I have an alcohol use disorder and kind of sure. framing that more in the positive. Yeah. Well, if you like, you know, words are very important, right? And the way you choose to describe yourself and saying, you know, even I can't drink or I shouldn't drink, mm -hmm. it automatically, it, it brings up like a, a sense of lack, right? 100%. And so anyone who's around you, and this is why it, get, it gets confusing for like friends and family and stuff, because when they feel like someone that they love is living in a place of lack, their like immediate reaction is to mediate it, right? They're like, right. well, you're not that bad or like, oh, just have one because you're coming from a place you're saying, well, I can't or I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound very empowering or like a choice. Yeah. And it's right. interesting because from a health perspective too, you know, this happens a lot in the health realm, right? Yeah. People become identify as, you know, I have um, a certain diagnosis or, you know, I am this autoimmune disease or I have IBS and these different things that, you know, don't necessarily define us. I really mm -hmm. like to think of it in the flip side of, you know, I am working on supporting this. I am, you know, yeah. becoming someone who's interested in supporting my gut health and, and finding and navigating my way through that. So I think it's just a moment of empowerment too. Yes. Absolutely. So Brooke, tell me how you became a non-drinker. Yeah. So <laughs> I have been sober at the time of this recording, just under 18 months. So next mm. Wednesday actually will be my 18 month sober anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it goes so fast and slow all at the same time. I'm sure you yep. can agree. Oh yeah. And my experience with drinking is you know, not very different than most people. I started drinking as a teenager, 13 years old, uh, mm -hmm. you know, stealing alcohol from my friend's parents. And I became a really heavy drinker in high school. Okay. Looking back now, I can identify different situations in my life that may have been driving me towards that behavior. And of course, as many of us do, we surround ourselves with other people that drink. And so sure. that behavior never really seemed, you know, different or unique because right. everybody was doing it. Yeah. And that really carried on for me through my college years, post-college, you know, throughout my twenties. And mm. I always used to think like, I'm, I'm young, I'm still young. And this mm. is what young people do. And this is how, you know, the people I've surrounded myself with act. Right. And so again, none of it really felt, um, you know, out of line, there were points of time, maybe in my mid to late 20s, where I was feeling like, ah, oh, maybe this is, you know, bridging into becoming a little bit more of an issue. Yeah. And I think what happened for many of us is during the pandemic was a really big point of inflection. Yeah, I liken it oftentimes to if you have a pot that's on the back burner of the stove on a simmer, and the pandemic was like cranking up the heat. And now this pot is boiling over, Ooh, right? That good maybe one. Some of us who were, were bordering on the edge of, eh, am I functioning? Am I a 
you know, a functional alcohol user? Am I, um, right. do I have an abuse that now is kicking up because of isolation and changes to my environment? And it's interesting because I didn't drink a whole lot at the beginning of the pandemic, but by the time I had quit drinking, which was June of 2021, yeah, um, you know, I had become a person that, you know, I probably throughout my 20s and early 30s was drinking yeah, four or five days a week. And by I, the end, I was drinking six or seven days a week. Uh, and, and some of that was, you know, I was working from home. I yeah. live alone. I live in New York City. So the lifestyle here is very integrated with alcohol. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a doctor of nutrition. And for a long time, I lived this very like double life feeling where, you know, I know exactly how this is affecting my body. I yeah. know looking at my own blood work, I have elevated liver enzymes. I have all these other symptoms. I have anxiety. And here I am knowing as a doctor yeah. that alcohol is contributing to these things. And yet I couldn't really stop. And mm. I always say that as proof that like, you can know all of the things you can be an expert, but it doesn't mean that, you know, something like alcohol, which is an addictive substance can right. still affect people, whether we, you know, want it to or not, we can't necessarily will ourselves out of it. So well, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, we could spit numbers all day long about how alcohol is not good for us, but Essentially, it's an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really have to do anything with numbers. A hundred percent. It's great little tidbits of information, but I'm sorry, that's not going to make you stop. <laughs> and it's actually, not. the science shows that I think many of us believe that we have to have alcoholism in our family or there's, you know, right. a genetic component to things. And yes, those are true for certain reasons, but what we know about alcohol now is it affects certain uh, neurotransmitters in the brain and receptors yeah. in the brain that anybody, any human that consumes it and continues to consume it, the body actually develops a dependence on it, right? Mm. So that's not just something that will happen to me or you or, you know, uh, one out of five people. But right. what we're now seeing is it doesn't necessarily mean that someone who doesn't have alcoholism in their family can't become addicted to it. Right. And that yeah. explains a lot for some people who are like, you know, I didn't, you know, my parents are not alcoholics and, you know, all those things. But if we put it into our body enough, um, we can develop this dependence, whether or not we have those affinities towards or not. Right. And from a scientific standpoint around the genetics, yes, there are definitely genes that are shown to be associated with development of alcohol use disorder, alcoholism. Yeah. However, it's not just a single gene. It's not like you have this right. and that means you're going to develop a problem or you're not. Right. You know, there's genes in the liver. There are genes having to do with our blood sugar levels and how we manage insulin and mm. uh, sugar on a day-to-day -day basis. Some of them have to do with dopamine. So right. there's, it's a very complex scenario in terms of the genetics and it's not right. necessarily like you have this and that means X. Right. It's not like, oh, you have the addictive gene. You're going to have alcohol abuse problems. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a gotcha. little bit more in depth than that. Yeah. I mean, even just taking like the actual 
like physicality of of like I don't know the chemical compounds of someone and then adding in the emotional and you know the ways they've grown up because also like when you abuse alcohol it's it's also very emotional too right like you're you become a very avoidant person there's very there's there's characteristics and traits that also get passed down besides the genetics and and the DNA kind of part of it so it's like a huge double whammy it's like oh how yeah how? And that's the idea of like the nature versus nurture sure right where yeah. yes nature means the dna could be there the nurture means you could grow up in a family where alcohol is never around and you're not really exposed to it you don't see it very often yeah versus someone who maybe grows up with a lot of alcohol in the family and to them that behavior seems normal right it sure. doesn't seem like um, you know, anything is wrong because this is how frequently my mother drank or my father drank or right. my grandparents drank, for example. So it's a lot of this, you know, behavior recognition and these patterns that we pick up as well, in addition to some of those deeper, you know, scientific principles. Yeah. So you're a doctor, you're drinking six to seven times a week. Where do you go from there? What happens? You know, What's so interesting about my story is, and I have to like, I always have to share this because it's really interesting in terms of my awareness and my process, but yeah. I was actually writing a chapter for a textbook okay. on nutrition and supplementation for substance use disorders in the fall of 2020. Okay. So leading up to this kind of my end point, uh, I had written this chapter uh, and done a lot of research on how you can use nutrition to support, you know, alcohol use disorder, any type of substance use disorder, but also how these substances affect these different systems in our body, mm. like our gut, like our hormones and our blood sugar, like our brain. Yeah. And how we actually use nutrition, vitamins, minerals, you know, the way that we eat, the, um, strategy with which we time our meals and how do mm -hmm. we use that in order to not only change our relationship with alcohol, but support us in getting sober and staying sober, right? Because right. this is just another tool for our toolbox that we can yeah. use in order to kick that alcohol habit. Yeah. So, you know, I wrote this textbook chapter and it actually published in June of 2021, which is the same month that I got sober. It was not planned to be that way. Uh, it's more of, of the irony of the story. But yeah. I, you know, like most people just come to a point where my life was so um, frustrating mm. and alcohol was only making that worse. And, yeah. you know, I had had a lot of situations where I would wake up and say, you know, Brooke, you got to stop doing this crap. Like it's time to cut it out. Like, right. you know, in your thirties now, this is no longer the, I'm young, you know, all my friends are going off and doing other things. And for right. a long time, I was like, well, I can't have a problem because I have a doctorate and I have a good job and, <laughs> you know, I'm financially independent, you know, I live by myself. And so like, right. you know, can't have a problem. Right. And it really came down to it for me, as I think for most people that I got to a point where like, I really couldn't sustain 
Mm. my life this way anymore. I was having really extreme anxiety. It was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my, uh, you know, sense of self. And I had an incident where a partner that I had at the time, Mm -hmm. very lovingly, you know, kind of had brought up to me and said, you know, you had come to visit and you were drinking the whole weekend. And he didn't Mm. say it in a sense of, you know, oh, you need help. You know, you have a problem, blah, blah, blah. But it kind of hit me. It was almost like a a sense of relief that like someone else saw it, like someone else Mm. knew what was going on and I couldn't necessarily hide from it anymore. It was kind of just like the little bit of kick that I needed to say, okay, I need to start doing something about this Um, time to to explore it, time to change. And, you know, uh, became something that again, I think was, uh, very critical point in time. But now as I reflect on how I've changed my area of expertise and utilized my expertise in, you know, in addition to the sobriety topic, that this really feels like to me, it was my path and that, you know, it was uh, a universal alignment for me and my, uh, my life. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. For sure. Whoa. That's really interesting. It's it's so interesting how, I mean, you could have taken that either way, mm-hmm. right? From a from a especially from a partner. Um, but it's just it goes to show how relationships are just such mirrors. Mm-hmm. And if you're open and you're like willing to like even explore that, that's really cool. Like that's good for you. You could have easily just got defensive and be like, "Well, fuck you. No, I'm fine." Yeah. Well, it was time. It was time yeah. for me. Um, yeah. Again, that's why like it wasn't a big intervention. It was like a sure. one comment that was made and it was just enough for me to be like, no, You're right. I'm done. Yeah. I, like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I was, you know, probably on a scale of one to 10 anxiety, having like a nine anxiety every day. Ooh, and, you know, that's brutal. hard to with. That is, you know. Yeah. Anyone knows if you're listening and you know anxiety and you know a nine out of ten, like that Oof. hurt, man. Like you gotta you gotta get out of that. Yeah. And it was no surprise to me. Again, I have enough information, knowledge to know like all of this stuff is going back to my drinking. I am drinking mm. far too frequently to be able to associate this with anything else. Right. right. And um, and so it it has been honestly, one of the most transformational things that has ever happened in my life. And it's really a blessing for me to go on and to help and support other people in finding this new way because, and you probably know this too, Jess, and experience this yourself, that 
I think like innately, we know that we shouldn't be drinking. Like there's this little like, oh, yeah. like there's this little whisper. And if you're listening, like you probably are like, yeah, I've had that like whisper. Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes louder and louder and louder and louder until like, you can't just like cover your ears anymore. You have no. to do something about it. And my hope and my goal is to, you know, there's so much stigma about it still. And especially mm-hmm. for women, you know, we're in relationships where alcohol is very prominent. We are super stressed, right? And it's one of the only ways that we know how to kind of escape that and, and work. Mm-hmm. That. And as you mentioned, emotions, emotions are so tied up in it. And for the longest time, I used to think I don't drink because I'm sad. I drink because I like to drink and I have fun. Okay, right. well, reflecting back now as a sober person, it's a, di- you know, hindsight is twenty twenty that right. I was because I felt lonely or I felt or I felt sad. Of course I was, you know, that's how I cope. Yeah. And recognizing that I didn't have any other coping mechanisms Mm. and through sobriety, really learning there are other ways. Like how do I learn how to soothe myself in a way that isn't, you know, detrimental to my health? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. They're detrimental to, you know, my, the life that I want to live. Um, yeah. And that's why I think a lot of these wellness tools and nutrition included can really start to play a role in this positive nature, right? Not this, you know, no, 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 constantly feeling like I'm having to um, take things away from myself and um, Mm -hmm. this feeling of deprivation. You know, we want to change it into something like, how do I make this a positive? How do I make this something that, um, you know, feeds my life instead of taking away from it? Yes, definitely. I love that word feeds your life. Speaking of feeding your life, talk to me about nutrition. What makes like nutrition and sobriety or like, you know, I guess a a person who is becoming sober or, or trying to get sober, how does, how does that differ? What are, what are the, I guess, what are the characteristics that need to be addressed with um, a person who has been abusing alcohol. Yes. So there's a few different ways that I like to think about this. And I'll kind of walk you through a couple of my different approaches and my kind of schools of thought around this topic. Yeah. I'll first 
start by mentioning that anytime we have a history of regular alcohol use, and now we're seeing regular, quote unquote, is is less than we once thought, right? Like we thought moderation was one or two drinks a day, Um, you know, my dog is chewing on something behind me. So I had to just, (laughs) um, you know, now we're really seeing that anything over a couple drinks a week is actually going to start to have effects on the brain, on the gut, which we'll talk more about Mm -hmm. on also our nutritional status. And Mm -hmm. one of the pretty well-studied effects of alcohol use is the way that it depletes our nutrient status. And this includes everything from our B vitamins, which uh, support energy production and detoxification to vitamin C, which we all know is important for the immune system uh, and other systems as well, including the brain vitamin D, which we all know is another one that many of us are deficient in. It affects essentially all of our minerals. So things like magnesium, which help us relax Mm -hmm. zinc also affects the immune system, supports the gut. And so when we're drinking on a regular basis, we're not only requiring more nutrients in order to get the alcohol out of our system, because it is a metabolism. Alcohol is basically like food in some ways that our body has to metabolize it. Right. And the other is that alcohol being a toxin a toxic substance creates a lot of inflammation and damage in the body that mm. requires more antioxidants. So things like vitamin C, vitamin E, all right. of these things, including omega-3 that we need more of because we actually have to repair the body from the damage that has occurred through alcohol. Right. And so you know, a lot of people, and I get these comments on my Instagram and things, you know, people say B1, oh yes, B1 thiamine. It's this, you know, kind of well-known deficiency of B1 that can happen from alcohol that creates this type of uh, psychosis in the brain. One. Okay. So we think about B1. This is only one very well-studied nutrient that can have these effects. Okay. There's also things that aren't as well studied, like things like B12 and B6 that play a critical role in our serotonin uh, production, our dopamine production. Yep. Uh, all of these things, deficiencies can create anxiety, depression, Oof. low mood, right? So in mm-hmm. and of itself, alcohol is going to affect the body. You know, the more we use it, the right. more we're I mean, even, and we're talking about like a healthy, like tip top, everything is topped off, no deficiencies, still breaking that down. Like it's just brutal. Exactly. And, right. you know, a lot of people say, well, I take a multivitamin, I take, get that, uh, uh, you know, the reality is that maybe we're kind of repleting some of those nutrients, we're not completely eliminating the damage that happens in the body because it goes beyond these nutrients. Right. I've been talking lately a lot about hormones and how hormones are affected by regular chronic alcohol use. Part of that has to do with the liver. As Mm -hmm. we all know, the liver is affected by our alcohol use. And one thing to consider is that Anytime there's alcohol in the body, 
our liver and our other systems are going to prioritize the elimination of alcohol because it's a toxin right. over normal body processes, right? Mm. So we, let's say we're taking in alcohol on a daily basis. When does our body have any time to metabolize hormones and to metabolize other waste products from the body? Uh, when is there time for our brain to restore and kind of use those good nutrients that it needs to, you know, support the brain and, and uh, right. our cognitive function, et cetera. Um, and I talk a lot about the gut and this is something that interests people a lot in a general sense, because everyone is looking to improve their gut microbiome, uh, you know, avoid things like leaky gut, which is when the lining of the gut starts to break down and alcohol can contribute to both that imbalanced microbiome, what we call dysbiosis, uh, as okay. well as the gut. And these are things that not only will affect our digestion, yeah. But also beyond that affect things like our brain, like our mood, um, you know, the gut is now linked to all these different systems of the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we take alcohol in, there's no doubt. And, you know, the science is there to prove it, that all of these things are shifting because of the alcohol. And I think a lot of what we do in the world is we don't want to touch it, right? Like no one wants right. to have their alcohol taken away. No one wants to like, you know, we don't want to have to make that big change. So what sure. we end up doing is we take more vitamins, we do a detox, we, you know, get a colonic, we do all yeah. these extreme things, right? We drink organic wine. We drink organic <laughs> wine. And like, you know, there's a big conversation then for so many years around removing toxins in our personal products and our deodorants and our right. skin, for example. Yeah. And we remove all those things, but we're replacing it with high amounts of alcohol, right? Yeah. And if we really wanted to lower our toxic load in the body, the first thing I would suggest is alcohol, right? Right. Because this is coming in at a much higher quantity than some of those other things are anyway. Of course. So it's really like, it's just such a fascinating space, right? Because yeah. I think we know innately that it's not good for us, but once we understand a little bit more about how it's directly affecting us. Mm -hmm. I find with my clients that it's much easier to make that change when they know if I drink, this is how my anxiety is. Or if I mm -hmm. drink, my digestion is worse and my skin acts up and all these other, you know, symptoms will happen. It yeah. gives us other reason and rationale to kind of say, you know, is this really serving my life? Is this really yeah. giving me the relief that I need? Or can I find, um, you know, that I can balance my blood sugar better through certain foods, I can, you know, heal my liver and support my brain with certain nutrients. And then I can take on practices like yoga or meditation, or, you know, these other types of lifestyle modifications, in order to uh, be able to relieve my stress in a healthy way versus needing alcohol yeah. to do that. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. 
My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Brooke, I want to, I have a question for you and this is kind of like the elephant in the room and everyone talks about it. Sugar. Mm -hmm. What is with the sugar cravings when you like stop drinking alcohol? Like people who weren't even, don't even have sweet tooth, but like they stopped drinking and then it just explodes. Can you touch on that? I can absolutely touch on that. So there's a few different things reasons why that's going to happen. Okay. One is that when we drink alcohol on a regular basis, it has a pretty extreme effect on our blood sugar levels. Okay. So the statistic is actually that about 95% of regular alcohol users, chronic, you know, heavy, longer term alcohol users have imbalanced blood sugar. So okay. this means we have a greater tendency to drop into a low blood sugar scenario, mm-hmm. which is where we start to get cravings for sugar and carbs. And right. the reason that we do is because low blood sugar um, sends signals through our body that says we need carbs. Carbs are fuel. Sugar is fuel for our body. Yep. Um, and so we need that to kind of give us energy, give us motivation, you know, give us that pick me up that we need. Okay. So part of it is that, you know, if we're experiencing very constant ups and downs in blood sugar because mm-hmm. of our alcohol use, and just for clarification's sake, one of the reasons that alcohol will cause blood sugar irregulation is because there's sugar and carbs in alcohol, but right. that's not the only piece. So I think a lot of us think, oh, when I cut out alcohol, I'm eliminating all the sugar, all these carbs. Sure. But- The alcohol molecule itself, actually, because its effect on the liver is going to change how our liver excretes certain hormones that balance our blood sugar. So even if you drink a zero carb, you know, vodka club, all of that, this is still happening to you. Okay. Okay. When we're having these kind of regular, yeah, these regular ups and downs in blood sugar, when we stop drinking alcohol, one of my key principles with using nutrition is having protein at every single meal, eating very frequently so that we can have a more stable blood sugar. Because when we get into these low blood sugar situations, Mm -hmm. we are starting to crave sugar, carbs, and alcohol, right? Yes. When we're in that low blood sugar situation, we need that quick pick me up, right? It's very difficult for us to say, oh, let me think about what I'm going to have for a healthy snack, right? No, it's like, I need chocolate and I need it right now. Yeah. 
So there's actually a, you know, a biochemical thing that's happening here, which is why I suggest to a lot of my clients and the people that are in my programs, always, you know, structuring your meals and the way you're eating around how do we avoid that low blood sugar situation. Right. The other thing to consider is jumping back a little bit to the gut. And when we have a dysbiosis in the gut, which is just an imbalance in the bacteria in our gut, certain microbes actually feed off of sugar carbs, and some of them actually feed off of alcohol. And so they're also sending these signals through the body saying, Mm. send more sugar, send in alcohol, send in more carbs, because they need those in order to survive and to thrive. Right. So there's a couple different situations happening there. And I won't dive too much deeper into, you know, dopamine and how sugar affects dopamine and, you know, some of those really important neurotransmitters in the brain. Um, But we're needing them for several reasons. And the reason why I like to explain this on a deeper level is that we often beat ourselves up saying, you know, I just don't have the willpower. Like Mm. I tried drinking um, or, you know, I tried cutting back on the sugar when I was drinking and like, I just, you know, I don't have the willpower. Yeah. And I want you to remember if you're listening that whenever we have these biologic, physiological things going on in our body, this goes far beyond our willpower. This is not, you know, you not being able to say no, this is your body saying, I need this to survive essentially right to function right? Jeez. And so that's, that's where nutrition can be really interesting in terms of um you know making it easier for us to beat those sugar cravings to beat the alcohol cravings uh and so that we can kind of make it through that more challenging time without right. you know with a little bit more comfort or cushion to get through it definitely Is there anything, I know it's hard to speak in general terms, but if you are someone who is kicking alcohol or becoming a non-drinker, is there any like staples that that you can look out for or any supplements or any like, I don't know, way to eat to support that just kind of right off the bat? Yes. So some of the suggestions that I give, you know, for to general people, this goes a little bit more in depth in my online programs. Okay. Um, as we kind of get into the nitty gritty of how to structure your meals, how to structure, um, you know, specific foods that you're eating that can support the gut, support the liver, um, you know, boost these certain brain neurotransmitters. But as I mentioned, protein is one really important key for me. So I always suggest structuring every single meal around a source of protein and a source of fiber. So whether it be a vegetable, a fruit, um, you know, a whole grain, and then a source of protein. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not a proponent of a fully plant-based diet. Um, part of that has to do with the amino acids that are in animal proteins and amino acids are actually the building blocks of our neurotransmitters. So yes, dopamine, GABA, all of these things are actually built off of amino acids from proteins. Okay. Uh, so protein and fiber at every meal. I also suggest typically uh, spacing your meals every three to four hours, not letting yourself get to that low blood sugar point because yeah. that's where you can get triggered and kind of fall victim to some of those cravings. 
And another thing that I suggest is having breakfast first thing in the morning. There's a lot of people who are interested in intermittent fasting. And, um, you know, in my experience and in my work, because, um, you know, especially women, we -hmm. tend to have more imbalances in hormones. We have maybe more uh, dissociative levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone that we actually can have more challenge with longer fasts. So fasting overnight is great at 12 hours, you know, however, I suggest within one hour of waking up to have that breakfast, because you're also going to, again, set yourself up for that more level blood sugar throughout the day. Okay. As it relates to supplements, um, I do have a free guide on my website, my top three supplements for sobriety. Um, you know, and supplements are an interesting thing because as you know, it's, it's pretty individualized. Oh yeah. Um, I've spent a lot of my work doing that, you know, individual protocols for people based on what they need and their experience. Part of what's in my online program is helping people to determine more in depth, which supplements might be right for them. Yeah. Uh, But I do give away a guide on my site that looks at things like probiotic, you know, a specific probiotic that contains some of those strains that can be affected by alcohol use. I also often recommend things like an omega-3, which is going to be affected. Our levels are going to be affected by alcohol use. It's also very good for reducing inflammation, supporting the gut lining, and it's also really critical for the brain. Yeah. And then another thing that I'm a big proponent of recommending to people is um, something called a methylated or an active B vitamin. Oh, okay. And part of that is because as I mentioned earlier on, B vitamins are really important for not only our body to produce energy, but also to produce some of these really important neurotransmitters like serotonin, like dopamine. Mm. And when we are drinking, we're depleting them. Yes. And there's also several very common gene mutations, if you will. Um, not that that word can sound kind of scary, but it's just specific forms of genes that can make us less likely to absorb some of the B vitamins that we take in. So when we take an activated or a methylated B vitamin, it essentially just gives you the active forms of that vitamin. So your body doesn't have to do that extra work. Ah. All of those can be found in the guide on my website. And I know you'll link to that there. And, um, you know, again, there's so many other things that when I work individually with clients and we do testing and start to see like what uniquely is going on in their body, that yeah. can give us a better idea from, you know, a very in-depth perspective of what they need or are missing. But mm-hmm. oftentimes too, and this is why I launched my online programming is even just knowing if you have certain symptoms, if you are more likely to, you know, feel anxious, for example, that these certain things might be better for you to try. So supplements can be a really powerful tool. Yeah. Uh, again, the toolbox. There's also a few things that can be really helpful with um, reducing alcohol cravings and anxiety and that as well. So, um, you know, I'm a big supplement fan. It's part of a big part of my training is using those kind of very specific functional ingredients to directly impact someone's body and, and their biochemistry. So yeah. it, uh, it's exciting because there's so much room for discussion in this space around nutrition and alcohol use and um, 
you know, I'm continuing to kind of open up new ways to provide that information to people because it is just such a game changer. And I think supporting long-term sobriety. Oh, I completely agree. It's, you don't understand until you've like gone through it or like seen the change and feel the changes in your body. Cause you're like, Oh, actually I don't have to live like that. Like I always used to have chronic like bloating after everything I like I ate. And I'm like, Oh, why don't I take care of my body? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't I go and figure out why this is happening? Because it's not normal. It's not normal mm-hmm. to like be bloated and unhappy and lethargic and like essentially miserable. Right. And drinking would like numb that feeling would numb those feelings of being bloated or numb. Give me that energy because I was so lethargic. Like, yeah, no, there's so much better solutions. There's so much better. And that's the thing is it's just, it's finding new ways to approach those avenues of reducing stress, you know, how we're coping with these frustrations that we have. And another thing too, is if you're experiencing a specific health condition. So Mm. if you have an autoimmune disease, if you have IBS, if you have any type of medical diagnosis and you drink on a regular basis, chances are that that's making things worse and not better. Right. Oh my gosh. Way worse. People are, yes, they're drinking to kind of cope with those challenges, but it's making things worse. Right. So yes, for me, that is how do we address that through food, through supplementation, um, through lifestyle changes so that you can feel good on a regular basis, um, and not be creating the scenario where things are, are getting worse over the long term. I love it. Brooke, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? (laughs) (laughs) www. Um, (laughs) At my website, brookscheller.com. Okay. Uh, You'll attach that because the spelling of Scheller is a little tricky. Yeah. And I'm also on Instagram at drbrookscheller. Okay. And either place you will find information on my online programs, my one-on-one. We are soon launching some uh, in-person exciting events in New York city and things, Fun. So, especially if you're local to this area uh, and follow me for, you know, I post a lot of tips and tricks and little things that you can implement on a regular basis via food. You know, we're eating three times a day at least. And so yeah. we have an opportunity to change our life very easily. You don't have to leave your house to do this. You don't necessarily even need, you know, to go out and buy fancy supplements or anything just to start making changes. So yeah. I hope to uh, to be able to provide more resources for you, Jess, at uh, Sober Girls Guide and, and everyone who's listening as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brooke, for your time, your knowledge. And gosh, I feel like we could just keep talking for hours and hours because this is such just a, a complex subject, right? There's always stuff to address and it's so fascinating. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, Thank um, you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. How fantastic is Brooke? She's just a wealth of knowledge. And it's so true how important your nutrition is, especially when you're starting your booze-free journey. And of course, along the way, nutrition at any stage of the game is a game changer. 
As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave feedback about the podcast. We love to hear your comments. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide. And don't forget about the blog. Head to asobergirlsguide.com. Right now, we have our ultimate guide to non-alcoholic drinks, and it is fantastic. We have promo codes in there to save you that money, honey. We have everything, all tips and tricks for any stage of your booze-free journey. We got your back, girl. Head to asobergirlsguide.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.